Welcome to Art, Nature, Science on the Binnaburra Cultural Landscape, the podcast that tells the story of the mountain's natural wonder through art making and exploring the creative spirit and celebrates the history and heritage of this magnificent world heritage area. My name's Michelle Walker and I'm joined today by Dr. Renata Buziak. Binnaburra's first artist in residence. Using her innovative biochrome technique, her work creates a new representation and interpretation of this unique environment. Renata is also the Art Nature Science Program Leader, which is bringing creative, educational and exploratory events back to Binnaburra. The goal is to enable new generations of visitors to connect in creative ways with the incredible nature that's found in the World Heritage listed Gondwana Rainforests of Australia. Hi, Renata. Hello, Michelle. It's great to have you back on the podcast. Now, we're at the halfway point, or we're actually past the halfway point of the year. Tell me a bit about the Art Nature Science program and how it's been developing up to this point. What began with just an idea today is actually a quite a giant operation. At the beginning of the year, we conducted community consultations regarding their interests We invited artists and presenters who could facilitate events, and we invited volunteers who could help me to fulfill my plan. And now we've received nearly 40 proposals of diverse presentations and workshops and quite a large group of volunteers. Today, uh, just over halfway through the year, we've completed 20 events ranging from one-hour presentations to three-day workshops, which is very exciting. And the scope of the initial plan actually grew into additional couple of projects, a book and this podcast, of course. So the book provides documentation of the program, uh, voluntary involvement of people who committed to make it all happen, and also provides the community members a kind of a directory based on their own interests. It also is a guide to inspire art, nature, science program leaders in planning the program's future. The podcast, on the other hand, provides a fantastic opportunity to share what we do in Binabara nationally and internationally. It's actually bringing focus back to Binabara stories and the people that actually share them. So trying to build a foundation for a program that has not yet existed, it's hard, but we have a great team of artists and presenters also fantastic volunteers and staff who all share the same vision of future vibrant community and who help to build that future. So we also always welcome new people who are interested in joining us and uh, as either volunteers or as event participants. Fantastic. So we'll put some details about how, if you're listening, you'd like to volunteer and get involved. So tell me about going into the project as you began this thing. What was it in your mind about how you would approach it and really how has that had to change through the last six, seven months? My focus was and still is on building a communication system, organizational structure and a team of committed people. Going into the project, I didn't actually have a model to depend on because it was a brand new idea. So my approach was to keep it simple and get feedback, uh, improve on it, and then do it again and again. And over time, my approach has actually hasn't changed. Things did get complicated at times as the program grew. But if we have these three elements, 
communication, organization, and a team, there should be really no reason why the plan wouldn't work, whatever the size of the project is. And my job is to develop a system that, that can help me fulfill the plan. So the, our goal is to develop a long-term plan, not just for the 2022, but we are building a system to pass on to future teams, to learn from, to develop further in their own ways. And we have many people involved in building that foundation of this program. And it, it is actually in our hands to make it sustainable. So it has to be easy and teachable. I know that we've got a big group of volunteers helping. So tell me, what's it been like helping to keep that big group of volunteers on track and keep everyone excited and engaged in the project? Well, when we have a team of committed people, uh, which is one of the three essential elements for the plan to succeed, we have to work on communication, organizational structure, and building of, of a cohesive unit. For example, good communication example can be as simple as a spreadsheet that our book manager actually created that is updated by some of us daily to communicate the steps uh, in order to finish the book. To create a good organizational structure, we use one platform. We collect all documentation in a logical way. We provide training as we learn what works best. And also we always try to improve based on feedback. When building a cohesive unit, uh, we have a team that needs to understand that it's not, not personal when we comment or give feedback so we can all feel safe. And in building a cohesive unit, I focus on knowing my own uh, strengths and weaknesses that really helps me to work towards balance and also learning strengths and weaknesses of others. So it helps me to uh, focus and manage those strengths. There are plenty of opportunities actually to work towards building a cohesive unit because we, we can all attend meetings, attend uh, in-person activities that we provide and events, either as helpers or participants. Uh, having the same structure for all projects across the program really helps as well. Uh, socializing when we can, discussing projects, and also having small and manageable teams that focus on various projects like, like this podcast and like the book. Um, also, it's so important to tap into people's interests, to connect them appropriately with particular projects that, you know, this kind of keeps them really engaged and excited about going forward. Also, we support and depend on each other as well. So all these elements can really help the plan to stay on track uh, and also move towards success and also keep everybody involved, excited and engaged. Fantastic. So what have you got planned for the next six months of the program? We have quite a few events coming up, including uh, artist talks and a poetry retreat. As well, I'm going to have my artist in residence exhibition coming up in December which I'm very excited about I think we all and are also we will have, thank you so much and we also will will launch uh, our book art nature science program at Binabara and there'll be a celebration for all of us who can get together at some point I'm sure because that is one of the things of the hallmarks of your approach to leading us as volunteers is that social aspect that you talked about. So folks, if you're listening and you would like to be involved, Renata has 
invited you to contact us and we'll put the details of how you can get in touch with Binaburra Lodge and Renata and put up your hand for what area interests you. Renata, is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, we'd like listeners to uh, keep listening to our episodes and visit us in Binaburra and join us at some of our events. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us today, Renata. Thank you so much, Michelle. And my second guest today is Paula Peters. Paula is an ecologist, artist, writer and teacher who combines science, visual art and writing to celebrate Australian nature. Paula also combines these skills to teach the practice of nature journaling and regularly collaborates with a range of organisations to bring nature journaling workshops and lessons to a diverse audience. Hi, Paula. Oh, hello, Michelle. Thanks for having me on your podcast. (laughs) I'd love it if you could share a bit of an overview of your journey as an ecologist and an artist, writer, teacher. Yes. Well, actually, what I should have said first up is I'm an environmentalist, first of all. So I started off as a nature crazy kid. And um, then when I realised, um, you know, conservation, well, a lot of natural things were in trouble when I was a teenager, I decided to work in conservation. So at the time, um, science was the the path that was really encouraged by my parents and and art wasn't seen as really an option so I followed that and uh, ended up studying at Monash Uni becoming an ecologist having a wonderful time doing research but I always wanted to get out more actively in conservation so then I worked for state government agencies for about 13 years um, as a scientist working with people like rangers and natural resource management people and people on the ground. Um, but there came a point where I got a bit sick of that for various reasons. Um, the government can be a highly political place and at the time science was, wasn't very well respected, I felt, or at least in the section I was working in. That's not to say there were other parts of governments doing good things scientifically, but where I was at wasn't very supportive. So um, I started to think about other ways to try and uh, get conservation happening. And one of the things I've really lived and worked and experienced as a scientist working in conservation is a lot of our conservation problems are about human behaviour. So we actually know, I believe we know enough to know what we have to do to save our plants and animals and, and um, ecosystems, but um, the big challenge is convincing people to do it. So that's when I started to become a lot more interested in art and writing and teaching and that sort of thing. So I took a year off from my science job and I ended up not going back. <laughs> and so what I do now is, uh, look, it's, I, I do a lot of different things, but my mainstays are illustration where I focus on, um, I specialise in wildlife illustration. I teach nature journaling, which is encouraging people to draw and write in response to nature and I have various books and cards that I sell in a a retail sense and they're trying to get Australian nature into the popular culture I think is that sort of what I'm trying to do so I'm not aiming to be an artist like some of the um, artist friends I have that are more I think interested in art for art's sake I've sort of got quite a pragmatic bent to what I do Mm. yeah how interesting you and I have so many overlaps in our story I love hearing about that and so in your case really that art nature journaling aspect is to help people connect to nature is that how you see it yes yeah that's part of it there's a whole lot of things going on there but um yeah if you can get that um direct connection I think that's really valuable but also just seeing our wildlife 
on a greeting card or on a tea towel or on a T-shirt because because of globalis- globalisation is good in lots of ways, but I do see on social media and other places a lot of generic designs that have Northern Hemisphere plants and animals on them. You know, how many foxes and squirrels and bunnies and pine trees and that sort of thing have we seen, which are all lovely, but Australia has extraordinary biodiversity and we have so many plants and animals that aren't found anywhere else, you know, mm. and, and I just think as Australians we should really celebrate and love that and value that as part of our cultural heritage. Absolutely. So mm. I can see that your whole career from ecology, your science work, working in government, bringing that knowledge, and then what you've done more recently with taking that information and engaging people is a perfect match with the Art Nature Science Program at Binnaburra right now. Oh, tell yes. A bit yeah. About, yeah, tell me a bit yes. about how you see your whole practice and how it intersects with what Binnaburra is doing. Well, it's so exciting that Binnaburra has this program going and I really do hope this is going to be the start of something that's going to go for a very long time because, yeah, that, that intersection between art, science, nature comes very naturally to me and, and um, you know, art and science are very similar in lots of ways. Um, so the way my work intersects is, well, I, I think the main thing is I've been teaching nature journaling for six years now and and that's just a great way you can intersect the whole lot because, as I say to people in my classes, I don't want anyone to put any boundaries on what they see as a nature journal or how they do it. So, so to me, nature journaling is drawing or writing in response to nature, and you can do that in a scientific way, you can do it in an artistic way, you can do it in a very objective factual way you can do it in a very personal reflective way as well and and that to me is all can be encompassed in nature journaling so so yeah I I, and I like to encourage people to do the whole lot if they want to you know so that to me well that's that's science art nature all together isn't it yeah that's one aspect of how it intersects very well with the program beautiful what's been some of the responses that you've had from people who have participated in your workshops that maybe don't have a lot of knowledge about what they're looking at in terms of the natural bush and animals or maybe even the journaling the art side yeah well I get all sorts of people coming to my workshops which is great for me and I meet all sorts of lovely people that they all tend out to be quite lovely actually which is a great part of my job but some people will turn up and be very um, unsure about whether they can draw so that a big part of the workshop is often encouraging people and showing them that they can because drawing is a skill like any other you know but a lot of us get put off very young um so to that sort of thing those basic skills of yes have a go these are some exercises that can sort of free the way for you to give it a try and the same with creative writing i often have people turn up in my workshop and they might be you know 40 50 60 years old and they may not have done creative writing since year 12 at school you know and they've never really given it a go and once again it's that sort of okay you know, here's a few um, exercises that we can do to free up your creative juices and get the words on the page. But in terms of knowledge, yeah, I suppose one thing I suppose I, I can give people that people may not have is sort of a, a broader ecological and evolutionary understanding of the Australian biota. So it's one thing to sort of maybe recognise a plant or an animal. That in itself is great if people can do that because not everyone can do that. But um, putting it all together and sort of being able to interpret what's going on in terms of uh, time and place is sort of what 
my career as an ecologist has allowed me to do and also that being an ecologist and moving around Australia and working in different places and with different systems gives you a much greater depth and understanding of the dynamics of our ecosystems and how it all works. And you bring yeah. all of that context to people when they come and visit Binnaburra, don't you? I mean, that sharing of where Binnaburra sits and part of Lamington National Park, part of Gondwana land, that whole story is such a deep and rich story, isn't it? Yeah, I try to, and I very much want to uh, make my nature journaling workshops about place. So I'm, I'm quite adamant when people try and engage, uh, book me to do a workshop, it always has to be outside. You know, I don't don't tolerate, <laughs> I don't tolerate the inside <laughs> bit, um, just because, yeah, uh, that, that connection to place is really important. And as you've alluded to, Binnabar is an incredible place, and there's so much richness there in terms of landscape, the biota, the cultural history, a whole lot of stuff going on there. So, so just even at the start of the workshop, I always try and do a reflection on place that incorporates what's going on now, what's going on in the human history, of course, including the traditional owners, and then um, stretching back in evolution time to think about um, the biota and its journey and, and and part of that includes the Gondwana story of the elements in the forest that are Gondwana rainforest ele- elements I was going to say elephants that'd be interesting wouldn't it <laughs> I, yep I don't think that's part of our critters <laughs> charismatic megafauna we don't yeah. have elephants it's such an interesting thing to experience, I find, as a visitor and you coming into a place to have someone actually do that interpretation and allow you to see with wider eyes, if you like. I think that's a beautiful aspect to what you do. What about nature journaling for yourself? Where did that come from and how are you using it within your own life and art practice? Oh, it's kind of weird because I sort of, uh, when I started working for myself, when I gave up my well-paid government job, I had to do something to earn a living. (laughs) And I didn't even really know it was called nature journaling, what I'd been doing over the years, which is just really, as I said, drawing and writing in response to nature, being outside in a natural place and being inspired. But yeah, I I started then... um, putting it together and thought, well, maybe people might be interested in this, you know, if they if they need a bit of help with um, encouragement in terms of drawing and writing and I can do some of the interp. Um, so I, I guess one of the reasons why I thought it was worth um, introducing other people to it is there's so many elements to it that are beneficial. So first of all, you're outside, you're in nature. I think there's more and more evidence showing that physiologically, mentally, emotionally, that's really good for us. Um, drawing itself makes you slow down and really look. And so it's, it's akin to meditation. So, you, so to draw something, you really do need to um, stop what you're doing and really focus in on it. And that can sort of help clear the mind. Um, you just discover so many things, I suppose, when you do slow down. So you might stop and sort of slow down and, and be quiet and draw a leaf or something. But at the same time, you might have some critter might come by because they're not scared of you because you've, you've, you're quiet and you're not moving. So you get to see um, amazing things too if you're in that state. Mm-hmm. So there's a few of them. One of the things that was a really happy surprise for me when I started teaching nature journaling is that I really witnessed people having quite profound experiences at sort of throughout the journey of the workshop and towards the end of the workshop sometimes if people would write after they'd spent two hours in nature drawing and getting along with a nice bunch of people they would come out with really cathartic experiences for them which was which was a happy surprise for me um so I've really witnessed myself therapeutic side of it as well yeah so there's a lot going on there and and a lot of really positive things coming out of nature journaling which I'm still discovering myself yeah 
How exciting. All right. I want to ask you some rapid fire questions. Are you oh, up for okay. this? <laughs> yep. Sure. If you had to sum up Binabara in one photograph, what would that be? Oh, a photograph? That's impossible, Michelle. I'm sorry. One photograph. Uh, probably the North of Vegas up at Tullawalla. Don't oh, know why I selected that. but yeah. Paula, that's so interesting. Tullawalla is my answer as well. What do the words art, nature, science mean to you? Oh, that's my world, I suppose. Beautiful. <laughs> Creativity is? Ah, fantastic. Everyone should do it. Yes. Available to everybody. Don't be shy. And what are you finding inspiring for you right now? Oh, right now. Right now, at this moment, I'm looking at my wonderful Banksia roba, which is full of flowers and it's regularly visited by birds at the moment, but I just love the, the crinkly shape of the leaves and, and the sort of um, stubborn persistence of this amazing life form that's probably been on the Australian journey for tens of millions of years. Ah, oh, fantastic. You make me want to run down and start drawing my, my local <laughs> Banksias. Is there anything else you would like to add and share before we finish up? It's been such a delight. Look, I'd just like to reiterate once again, creativity is open to everybody. Drawing and writing is open to everybody. Don't close the door on it because it is a part of what makes us human and it has the potential to bring so much um, joy and satisfaction, that that practice of creating something rather than consuming something. We, we live in a world where we're consuming lots of things and a lot of people want us to consume a lot of things because it makes them money. But if you haven't before, have a go at creating because it is an amazing buzz and anyone honestly can do it. Yes. Here, here. How can people connect with you and what you're up to? Okay. Uh, main uh, so, um, ways to connect with me is my website, which is paperbarkwriter.com. And I'm also on Instagram and also on Twitter in a not very active way. <laughs> but those three ways you can easily connect with, with who I am, what I'm doing. I have a regular newsletter that you can sign up to. So if you go to my um, website, there's um, a pop-up and things will happen and to say, hey, sign up to the newsletter. So that's a good way to, that's an email newsletter. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your stories about your nature journaling activities and what you see as being a fantastic way of connecting with nature in connecting with ourselves. So thank you, Paula. And thank you, Michelle, for doing this podcast. It's been great talking to you. Fabulous. The producers and artists on this podcast acknowledge the traditional owners of the Binnaburra area and Lamington National Park, the Yugambeh Language Group. We also thank Catherine Slingsby for the podcast theme music, an excerpt from her piece, Sweet Dream.